As you be seated, I want to invite you to open your Bibles with me to Joshua chapter 6. As you're making your way there, I want to begin by thanking Pastor Al Gaines for doing a great job preaching God's Word last Sunday. I know you were blessed by God through his sermon. We are looking at and learning from uh, Joshua and Israelites' conquest of Jericho in the promised land. God called, equipped, and empowered Joshua to lead the Israelites to take possession of the promised land. God explained his plan for Joshua to Joshua. Joshua then explained God's plan to the priests, the troops, and the Israelites. Joshua, the priests, the troops, and the Israelites did what God said to do, when God said to do it, the way God said to do it. As they obeyed God, they got to see God do what only he can do. God speaks to us by his spirit in us. God wants us to do what he says to do, when he says to do it, the way he says to do it. As we obey God, we get to see God do what only he can do in us, around us, and for us. Like Joshua, as we follow God, we learn lessons about God. These lessons that we learn about God actually inspire and motivate us to continue following God. There are many lessons that we have focused on here in this passage Many others that we won't be able to get to, but let's just hone in on five lessons we learn from God here in Joshua chapter 6. The first lesson is God is at work. God was at work in Joshua and Israel. God is at work in you and me this morning in these very moments. Whether you recognize it or not, God is at work in us, drawing us to Jesus right here, right now. God is at work in us, making us more like Jesus right here, right now. God is at work in us, teaching us more about Jesus right here in these moments. The second lesson we learn is that God will make a way. God made a way for Joshua and the Israelites to conquer Jericho. God made a way for the walls to fall down around Jericho. God will make a way for you and me to overcome our obstacles. God will make a way for us to trust him through our trials. God will make a way for us to walk in our victory in Jesus day by day. A third lesson we've seen as we've looked through this amazing chapter, is God's ways are not our ways. The military strategy for Joshua and Israel was all God's. God's ways are bigger, better, higher, and wiser than our ways. God knows completely. God sees clearly. God acts correctly. As Solomon told us, many plans are in a person's heart, but the Lord's decree will prevail. When you think about it, the way to salvation for you and me is all God's. God opened the way for us to receive forgiveness of sins and to enter into a relationship by his 
generous display of grace through our response of faith and trust in Jesus and his work for us on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection for our salvation. We who were spiritually dead in our sins, separated from God because of our sin against God, physically alive yet spiritually dead, have a way to receive forgiveness, to receive life by God and his grace at work in us through our response of faith in Jesus Christ. This way for you and me is all God's. We are saved by God's grace through our response of faith in him. Praise God, his ways are not our ways. Praise God, his ways are higher and greater than our ways. A fourth lesson we've learned is that God's ways call for a response from us. God wanted faith and obedience from Joshua and the Israelites. God wants faith and obedience from us. He wants faith and obedience from you, from me this morning. God wants us to believe and obey him because he wants us to join him in his work in us and in others. God wants you and I this morning to join him in his work in our lives, but as in work His work in the lives of those around us. Satan wants fear, discouragement, and disobedience for us. He doesn't want us to join God in his work in us and others. He wants us to turn away from God in sin against God. And so we know that God's words to Joshua years ago are Still true for you and me today. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 9. The Lord told Joshua, Haven't I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God says to you, he says to me, this morning, we need to be reminded of this on a day-by-day basis. We need to be reminded of this this morning. God says to us, as his kids, I am with you. I am with you. I am watching over you. I am with you. I am working in you. I am with you. Look to me. I am with you. Listen to me. I am with you. I will help you. I am with you. I will empower you to follow me. God's ways, as we think about it on a day-by-day basis, all that God is doing in our lives, which ultimately falls under the umbrella of transforming us to become more like Jesus All that God's doing in us calls for a response from us. God wants us to step out in faith day by day. He wants us to trust him on the waters of faith, to get comfortable with being uncomfortable, to follow him wherever he leads, we follow. And so his work, his ways, we know and understand they're going to always call a response from us, and that response is always a response of faith and obedience. Whether it's wait, whether it's pray, then we wait by faith and obedience. We pray by faith and obedience. If it's serve, we serve by faith and obedience. If it's move, we move by faith and obedience. Whatever it is that God calls us to do, it's always going to be a step of faith going to call us to step out of our comfort zone, and therefore he wants that response of faith and obedience. The fifth lesson we see is that God's ways always point us to him. God's ways point everyone to him. 
God's ways. When you think about it in your life, you think about it in Scripture, and think about it here in this passage in Joshua chapter 6, God's ways point everyone to him. The defeat of Jericho pointed everyone to God. The defeat of Jericho, there was no confusion, pointed everyone to God. The defeat of Jericho still points us to God today. We have been studying this passage. We've been reading through Joshua chapter 6. You can continue doing that at your leisure and your time with the Lord. And what you're going to find is as you dive deeper and deeper, as you dig deeper into the victory at Jericho, into the truth in chapter 6, you're going to find that it still points us to God. God is the one who did this work. God is the one who brought the walls of Jericho down. All God's work and ways point us to him. All of his work and ways point us to him, our need for him, our need to trust in him. The reason we know about God is God. The reason we have a relationship with God is God. The reason we're forgiven is God. The reason we're able to forgive is God. The reason we are comforted is God. The reason we're able to comfort is God. The reason we are loved is God. The reason we're able to love is God. The reason we know right from wrong is God. The reason we're able to resist temptation is God. The reason we're able to serve courageously is God. The reason we're able to wait patiently is God. The reason we're able to walk obediently is God. The reason we're able to worship joyfully is God. The reason we have a home waiting on us in heaven right here at this point in time is God. It's God. And as we look to God, we want to follow God. As we look to God, we are strengthened so we can follow God. That's why the Lord told Joshua, look I, look to me, Joshua. As you look to me, you're going to want to follow me. And as you look to me, you will be strengthened so you can follow me. Look, I have handed Jericho, its king, and his best soldiers over to you. God's ways, his work Point us to him, which is where we need to be focused on a day-by-day basis. It allows us to be able to do all that he calls and leads and empowers us to do. But it also allows us to give him the praise, glory, and honor that is due his name. We can't take credit for all that he is doing. It's our joy to be a part, to watch, to grow, to serve, to be used. And it is our joy to give God the glory for all that he's doing. His ways. When we look at scripture after scripture, page after page, Old Testament, New Testament, story after story, hero after hero, men, women, children in the scriptures, all that's happening here points us to God, points us to him. And so we Learn these lessons that help us follow God. They help us follow our leader day by day. The first stage that we've looked at here in chapter 6 is explanation. The, The second stage is the application. The third stage is the celebration. The third stage now is the celebration. Joshua, the priests, the troops, and the Israelites obeyed God. We know this. We've been reading and studying this. 
They circled Jericho once a day for six days. On the seventh day, they circled Jericho seven times. In Joshua chapter 6 and verse 20, you can look with me. The Lord says, so the troops shouted and the trumpets sounded. When they heard the blast of the trumpets, the troops gave a great shout and the wall collapsed. Say that together out loud. And the wall collapsed. One more time. And the wall collapsed. The troops advanced into the city, each man straight ahead, and they captured the city. The troops gave a great shout. That shout was a confident, expectant, faithful, obedient shout of praise to God. Their faith in God became sight. Their faith in God in that moment became sight. Joshua and Israel celebrated their defeat of Jericho. Joshua and Israel celebrated the walls that fell down around Jericho. Joshua and Israel celebrated God was with them just like he said he would be them. Joshua and Israel celebrated God did what, exactly what he said he would do. Joshua and Israel celebrated God made a way for them to take Jericho. Joshua and Israel celebrated God's faithfulness to hand Jericho, its king and its best soldiers, over to them. When you stop and think about it, remembering and celebrating God's work was a way of life for Joshua and Israel. Remembering and celebrating God's work was a way of life for Joshua and Israel. They set up the memorial of stones in the Jordan River and on the other side of the Jordan River to declare to future generations of Israelites how God made a way for them by parting the waters of the Jordan River so that they could cross on dry ground, so that they could move forward toward Jericho. The Jewish people celebrate Passover to remember and celebrate God's deliverance of their ancestors from bondage in Egypt. Remembering and celebrating God's work was a way of life for Joshua and Israel, all the feasts that were a part of their culture. Remembering and celebrating God's work is a way of life for you and me today. We celebrate God's work in us. We celebrate God's work for us. We celebrate God's work around us. We celebrate God's work through us. We celebrate how God makes a way for us. We celebrate God's forgiveness and grace. We celebrate God's kindness and love and mercy. We celebrate God's patience and peace and power. We celebrate God's provision and protection. We celebrate God's knowledge and understanding and wisdom for us. We celebrate God's faithfulness to fulfill his promises to us. We celebrate our victory today and forever in King Jesus. 
Like the psalmist said, from the rising of the sun to the setting, let the name of the Lord be praised. And so we see this celebration unfolding. Now, I think it's important to notice that as Joshua and Israel celebrated God, they continued to obey God. As they celebrated God, they continued to obey God. As we see in this passage, Joshua continues and shares that they completely destroyed the city, the people, and the animals by the sword. He continued and said that they rescued and saved Rahab and her family, like the two spies had promised to happen. They brought them out of Rahab's house. Rahab and all of her family were brought out of her house after Jericho had been conquered. Joshua tells us they burned the city of Jericho to the ground, and they took all of the gold and silver and the articles of bronze and iron, and they put it into the treasury of the Lord's house, just as God said. In their celebration, they continued in their faithful obedience to the Lord. One question that at times comes up in this portion of Joshua chapter 6, as we study the truth of God's word, as we seek to apply it in our lives, it comes up in other areas of scripture as well. But certainly a, a question that comes up in this passage here in Joshua chapter 6, as we see what God did for Israel, for Joshua there at Jericho, is it's a simple question actually. Generally, it, it goes something like this, why did Israel destroy Jericho and its citizens. Why? Why did they destroy Jericho and all the citizens? There are multiple answers to this question. Time will not allow us to do a deep dive into all the answers to the question, but since we're walking through, we have to be faithful to the Word of God. Let's look at a few of those answers here together. Why did Israel destroy Jericho and all its citizens? It's a good question for us to ask, and it's an even better question for us to answer. One answer is God judged the sin and idolatry of the people of Jericho. God judged their sin and idolatry. So we know in this passage, the people of Jericho were a brutal, depraved, evil, wicked people. They were idolatrous and immoral. Leviticus chapter 18, we don't have time to turn to it, but in Leviticus chapter 18, the Lord gave a list of the sins that the people of Jericho committed against him. It was a list of sins that they were practicing. It was part of their daily lifestyle. Sins that were clearly against God, against the truth of God's word, and certainly against people as well. God is a patient God who endures sin and disobedience. God is also a holy God who punishes sin. And when and how God decides to punish sin, he's right. When and how God decides to punish sin, he's always right. A second reason 
why Israel destroyed Jericho and, and the citizens is the people of Jericho refused to repent. The people of Jericho refused to repent. God chose Israel to be his people. They were his witness nation to the nations around them. They were to be a witness and a light to those nations around them. In Genesis, back to Genesis chapter 12, God told Abram, who we know as Abraham later on, that God said, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. And I will bless all those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. The people of Canaan, the different people groups that we've read about in this study of this chapter, the many different people groups of Canaan, those who lived in the promised land, God gave them over 400 years to repent of their sin and turn to him by faith in him. Over 400 years. The people of Jericho, the citizens of Jericho, had plenty of time, more than enough time, to repent of their sins and to turn to God by faith in him. How do we know this? We know this because Rahab did. That's how we know this. Rahab repented of her sin. She turned to God. By faith in him. And God saved and rescued her. The same he would have done to any and everyone else in Jericho who would have followed Rahab's example. You see, God is, always has been, and always will be a patient, holy, and just God. A third reason, a third answer is God wanted to keep Israel pure. He wanted to keep Israel pure. God didn't want Israel to learn the Canaanites' evil ways. In Deuteronomy chapter 20, we read about how God declared and laid out rules of war for Israel. And when they were to confront a country that was outside of the promised land, the land he promised to give to his people, they would always go and offer a peace treaty. And there were steps that they followed. But within the promised land, he had a different plan. And we read about this in Deuteronomy chapter 20, beginning in verse 16. However, you must not let any living thing survive among the cities of these people. The Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. That's the promised land, the land of Canaan. You must completely destroy them, the Hethite, Amorite, Canaanite, Perizzite, Hivite, and Jebusite, as the Lord has commanded you. These were the peoples that had Years and years, over 400 years, to repent of their sin and turn to God by faith, which they did not do. He said, so that they won't teach you to do all the detestable acts, getting back to their depraved ways. So they won't teach you to do all the detestable acts that they do for their gods, and you sin against the Lord your God. God did not want Israel to turn away from him in sin against him. He didn't want Israel to turn away from him in disobedience. He didn't want them to learn the evil ways of the Canaanites and then begin to give themselves to the pantheon of gods as these people were doing. Unfortunately, as you know, the history and the story of the Old Testament, God's chosen people, the Israelites, did not always obey God faithfully. They did not always follow 
God obediently. But yet God still desired to protect his people. A fourth answer to this question is God fulfills his promises. God fulfilled his promise to give his land to his people. God fulfills his promises to us in his word. God is sovereign over all creation. The psalmist said, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. God is sovereign over creation. We, the created, will never completely understand God, the creator. We, the made, will never completely understand God, our maker. As we've been sharing, God's ways and thoughts are what? Higher, bigger, wiser, better than our ways and thoughts. God sees from beginning to end. And so we know and understand this. We embrace and rejoice in this truth. We are called to believe God, to trust God, and to obey God. As the psalmist said, you are good, God. You do what is good. Teach me your statutes. As David prayed, I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have nothing good besides you, God. We can also rest, trust, and know that we know that we know that everything God does is in perfect alignment and timing with his plan of redemption for eternity. Everything is in perfect alignment. And so we see this celebration of this victory, the continued obedience in their victory, which is a challenge for us. Today, as God works in our lives and we get those answers to prayer, we get and hit those milestones and and we're able to just get up on the mountaintops and we're to praise God and worship God and shout hallelujah to God. It is in those moments that there is a tendency in us to maybe take a step back in our spiritual commitment. We at times can get a little lax because we're so excited and overjoyed at what God has done for us. What a great example for us here. In their celebration, they continue to walk in obedience to God. And then we see the fourth stage. It's the explanation, the application, celebration. The fourth stage is the elevation. We see in verse 27, the last verse, chapter 6, and the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame spread throughout the land. Let's read this final verse together out loud. And the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame spread throughout the land. God, first of all, we see, fulfilled his promise to Joshua in chapter 1. Look back to chapter 1, in particular in verse 5. The Lord told Joshua, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will be with you just as I was with Moses. I will not leave or abandon you. In verse 9, haven't I commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God was with Joshua just like he said he would be with Joshua. We see here, and the Lord was with 
Joshua. What does that mean? It means God is trustworthy. God is faithful. God is dependable. God is reliable. Truths we know, we see now again here in this passage. And the Lord was with Joshua. And, and his fame spread throughout the land. God used Joshua he elevated Joshua, but he used Joshua to spread his name and his fame, the Lord God Almighty's name and fame throughout the land. God elevated Joshua so he could use Joshua to lead the Israelites to follow God's plans for them. God elevated Joshua by his power, not Joshua's. God elevated Joshua with his plan, not Joshua's. God elevated Joshua for his purposes, not Joshua's. God elevated Joshua for his praise, not Joshua's. What God wanted from Joshua and all of Israel was for them to show their faith in him by their obedience to him. And that's exactly what we've been seeing and studying in this passage. God elevates us by his power, not ours. God elevates us with his plan, not ours. God elevates us for his purposes, not ours. God elevates us for his praise, not ours. God elevates us so we can lead others to Jesus. God elevates us so we can help others follow Jesus. God elevates us at times so that we can be an effective and faithful witness for Jesus. As we walk with him, there will be periods of time where he elevates us so that his name can be spread throughout the land. Not our fame, his fame can be spread throughout the land, which is exactly what we see happening here with Joshua. Joshua was able to see God do what only he can do. God elevates us, and as he does, he allows us the privilege, the opportunity to be used by him. We're able to see him do what only he can do. So what is our application today, this week? What's our application as we look at this passage, as we come to the end of chapter 6? Our, our application is real simple. Follow God. Follow God. Follow God. Like God was with Moses, like God was with Joshua, God is with you and me wherever we go. Amen? He is with us. We are not alone. We are not defeated. We are not forgotten. We are not helpless. We are not hopeless. Our obstacles, challenges, and Jerichos are impossible for us to conquer on our own, but they're not for God. Nothing is impossible with God. Say that with me. Nothing is impossible with God. God uses our obstacles to draw us near to him. God uses our obstacles to grow us in our faith in him. God uses our obstacles to increase our obedience to him. God uses our obstacles to make us more effective ministers for him. God uses our obstacles to purify our worship of him. God uses our obstacles to remind us of his plan for us. God uses our obstacles to remind us of his presence with us. God uses our obstacles to remind us of his power in us. And God uses our obstacles to remind us to raise our praise to him. You see, God was glorified in and through Joshua and the Israelites. Joshua and the Israelites pleased God 
by their faith in God. We today please God by our faith in God and our obedience to God. I love what one Bible scholar said. The reason God honors faith is because faith honors God. As Hebrews 11.6 reminds us, without faith, it's impossible for us to please God. Because the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Let's draw near to God this morning, right here, right now. Let's believe God. Let's look to God. And let's follow God by his power, alive and at work in us, for his honor, glory, name, and fame. Let's renew our passion in these moments right here and right now to follow God, to show our faith in him by our obedience to him. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. Our worship team is going to come and lead in this time of response. It's our opportunity to, to respond to the Lord by faith and obedience to Him. Our prayer partners will be standing here at the front. They would love to pray with you, pray for you. They would love to be able to, to bless you by interceding on your behalf. If you've got a need, a care, concern that you need these prayer partners will lift up for you. Maybe you've got a reason to celebrate. They'll celebrate with you. They'll shout praise to the Father with you. Maybe God's calling you to go and to minister to a brother or sister here that, that you know is struggling, that you know is going through a difficult time. You know that maybe there's somebody in here that you know that is facing a Jericho in their lives, the walls too strong, the walls too high, the walls too thick for them to conquer, overcome on their own. Maybe God's calling you to go and to minister and to encourage them to pray for them, to remind them that God is the one who's able to bring those walls down for them. Listen, as we share each week, today is a day of salvation for you as well. Sir, ma'am, if you've yet to receive God's gift of salvation, why not this morning? Why not here? Why not now? So we shared the gospel is the good news that, that God has opened a way for us to receive forgiveness of sins, that a sin that separates us from God, that keeps us from being able to get to God on our own. God opened the way for us to receive forgiveness of our sins, to have our sins cleansed and washed away so that we might be able to enter into a relationship with him. And that happened by his loving act of sending Jesus, his son, our Savior, to the cross. Jesus took our place on the cross, paid our price for sin. He died on the cross. He was buried in the tomb, and he rose again, victorious over sin and death for you and me. Jesus is alive in a relationship with God. The only way that you can enter into a relationship with God is through faith and trust in the Son of God, Jesus, and his death, burial, and resurrection for your salvation. It is his perfect blood. He shed on the cross that provides us with forgiveness of sins. 
What a great gift for you. What a great gift for your family. Here at the beginning, the start of December, then to say yes to Jesus, to receive the greatest gift that has ever been given, that gift of love and life. God sent to us and his son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. This is our opportunity to respond to God in obedience to him. God's speaking to us. Let's stand and let's worship the Father together this morning.